The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Up one day, down the next. Big tech down big again. Futures in the red. Is the stay-at-home trade falling out of favor fast as we all look to get out? Speaking of the end of the pandemic, another very positive piece of news from another vaccine candidate is everybody who wants a shot should have one by May. Breaking news involving President Biden and Asia-Pacific leaders on the push to contain China. We are live in Beijing with details. Another day, another potential high-profile SPAC deal, this one involving the popular Asian ride-hailing startup Grab. And it's Friday, which means... The return of insider buying, your exclusive look at the big names, making big buys of their own company shares. And today, it is one of the biggest buys we have ever seen by one of the biggest names in media you know. It is Friday, March 12th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world you may be watching. Happy Friday. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us. we got a very busy hour to end the week as NASDAQ futures are down about 200 points again as yields move higher. We'll get to that in just a moment, but we begin with this. Breaking news involving President Biden. He is set to meet virtually today with the leaders of Japan, Australia, and India. The group, informally known as the Quad, expected to focus efforts to contain China's territorial claims in the region. Let's talk about what they may talk about and get right to Yunus Yun live in Beijing with more. Good morning or good evening to you, Yunus. Thanks a lot, Brian. Well, uh, China is not happy about this summit. Just a couple of moments ago, the foreign ministry called on countries to refrain from creating blocks, saying that governments should attempt to build trust and understanding rather than target third parties. Now, the White House has said that the summit and the purpose is to have the four countries look at different areas where they can cooperate. Uh, But, of course, the uh, signal that this is sending over here in Beijing is that this is a way to counter China's influence. In fact, Indian officials have said that one way in which uh, the summit could produce um, uh, a way to counter China's soft power is by agreeing on financing and funding for India to be able to export more vaccines for the rest of the world. Now, while the government has been criticizing the summit, state media has been playing down the influence of this uh, summit uh, to the Chinese public, uh, saying that Australia... India and Japan all need their ties with China for a variety of reasons, mainly economic. And so because of that, according to the Global Times, it would be impossible for the three to, quote, blindly follow the United States. Brian? 
All right, so what exactly can we expect from the quad? Ed, as we said, it's, it's informally known. And what can we expect from the Chinese government? Will they, will they acknowledge what is said on this virtual meeting? Will they kind of just brush it off? Well, the meeting is really seen as a way to set the tone for discussions that are going to be happening next week. And China has already expressed, uh, well, really been digging it in its heels on some of the issues that are important to Beijing. Uh, both sides have said that uh, this meeting that's going to take place uh, next week between um, with Secretary of State Antony Blinken on one side, along with the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, uh, both from the U.S. and then on the Chinese side, the Chinese top diplomats, that, uh, you know, both sides have said that this is going to be a very difficult conversation. And already the foreign ministry again flagged that today, uh, saying that uh, that the United States needs to stay out of China's affairs when it comes to Hong Kong. And this came after the Chinese premier said the same thing, that the way forward for a discussion between the U.S. is with mutual respect as well as non-interference. All right, Eunice Xunu is live in Beijing, a very important meeting virtually next week. Eunice, thank you very much. All right, now let's turn to how your markets and your money and the global markets are setting up their day. And it is once again, we are in the red. We are seeing NASDAQ futures look at that down huge off 252 Dow futures off 10, but again, people aren't really watching the Dow. They're watching the NASDAQ and big tech. Now, we've had a decent run for the NASDAQ this week. The major averages, by the way, on their pace for their best week in a month. So-called value names, the boring old economically cyclically sensitive names like in the Dow. They're the ones that have done well, along with small caps, by the way, if you're not paying attention. And remember, folks, we have been talking on Worldwide Exchange about small caps since July, and they're up another 6.5% this week. All coming as investors dive back into some of those smaller growth names. Now, with regard to big tech, totally different story. We have seen nearly a perfectly inverse relationship between bond yields and big tech. As bond yields go up, big tech goes down. If yields stabilize or move lower, then tech stocks move higher. So let's check 10-year yields. They are actually making... A pretty big spike right now. The benchmark 10-year yield, which is up more than 10 basis points from yesterday. Again, I know that doesn't sound like a lot if you're new to the markets or you're kind of focused on tech or whatever, or crypto. That kind of a move in government yields is very big. And we are seeing tech stocks continue to drop as well. A lot of concern about inflation in the market as debt is issued at a record pace. The job market getting better by the day. A lot of worries out there about inflation. We'll get to more on that in just a second. Let's take a look at the overseas action in Asia. Markets finishing the week mostly higher. Japan has been red hot. Nikkei climbing nearly 2%. Chinese Hang Seng down 2%. Shanghai reversing earlier losses to finish slightly higher. And let's take a look at the early trade on a Friday in the European markets as well. They are lower, but not a big deal. The German DAX, the biggest of the losers, down about 7 tenths of 1%. Well, to Washington now, President Biden setting a target to have all adults in America gain access to a vaccine if they want one by May. New polling from CNBC Morning Consult shows that 55 percent only of Americans trust that promise, even though the data shows we're actually well ahead of that pace right now. The move coming on the heels of Biden signing off on the one point nine trillion dollar spending bill with stimulus checks hitting bank accounts, perhaps 
as soon as this weekend. NBC's Susan McGinnis has more from Washington this morning. Susan. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Brian. That's right. President Biden, his first uh, primetime address to the American people, laid out his plan for vaccinating Americans and getting normal life back on track. President Biden on the one-year anniversary of a pandemic that brought the nation to a halt, reflecting on a year of hardship. A collective sacrifice, a year filled with the loss of life and the loss of living for all of us. But also offering hope, announcing every American will be eligible to get a vaccine no later than May 1st. No more searching day and night for an appointment. The president says he's ordering all states to open eligibility, doubling the number of federal vaccination centers and mobilizing thousands to help administer shots, including retired doctors and nurses. He's also calling on Americans to do their part. I need you to get vaccinated when it's your turn and when you can find an opportunity. A ceremonial signing celebration of the new COVID relief law, Biden's first major policy achievement. Republicans argue $1.9 trillion in aid is too much and isn't targeted enough. This isn't a relief bill. It's pretty much a payoff for Pelosi's political allies, and it will be the American people paying the bill. Despite opposition, the president believes gatherings can resume by the 4th of July. From the bottom of my heart, I believe this. There's nothing we can't do when we do it together. After a staggering half a million Americans lost, a sign that life will return to normal. Next up, President Biden hits the road to try to pitch that COVID relief law to the public. It's called the Help is Here Tour. Brian? Susan McGinnis, live in D.C. Susan, thank you very much. Good to see you. All right, now to the markets and your money. And inflation fears continue to rip through the bond market debt issuance, in part to pay for that bill at a record. And the bond market is starting to flash some red warning signs that could hit stocks. Joining us now Chantico Global CEO and CBC contributor Gina Sanchez. Gina, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Another kind of big jump in yields this morning to 1.6%. I know we were here a couple days ago, but we fell and we've come back. And NASDAQ futures off 2 to 250 points right now. It's been an incredibly volatile week. Why do you think we have seen this kind of volatility with bond yields and with tech stocks? Well, with bond yield, it's quite straightforward. You know, I think that, you know, bond market is concerned about the significant debt that we are printing and will have to continue to print um, in order to support the fiscal spending that we're doing. And there is a concern that that fiscal spending could come at a time when the reopening uh, occurs and cause demand-driven inflation. Now, look, we think that we're already seeing signs of inflation, and most economists are expecting somewhere around 2.9% inflation in the second quarter, which is, you know, we should find that this is in this quarter now. We should find that out in three months. Um, However, there are some economists who believe that could be as high as 3.5%, partially because we have commodity prices that have gone up uh, because of COVID-related shortages in in supply um, in the last quarter of last year. Um, You also have base effects. I mean, you know, Q1 a year ago was very weak. And so the comparison is going to be look like we have a lot of inflation as well. And all of those factors will create inflation. Um, But uh, it doesn't, you know, what it does for the bond markets is as yields go up and dividend yields have been falling for the last 12 months because the stock market has been so strong. You compare that, and why would I sit around for 1.4% dividend yield when I can get 1.6% 
um, with much less volatility in the in, in you know in the treasury market. And I think that's the question that's happening with these Nasdaq stocks that are extremely overvalued, where dividend yields are even lower than that. All right. So there's a lot. We we know there's what four and a half to five trillion dollars in cold hard cash sloshing around. The global market. We know a lot of that is going to go into so-called risk assets. Small caps have done well as well. Do you think on a macro level, I'm not saying all the stocks, Gina, but on a macro level that we have seen perhaps the, the, the easy ride, big tech, buy the QQQ, that's over. It is about actually doing work, picking stocks. That's going to be the winner in 2021. Yes, I absolutely believe that. I think that we're already seeing it. You know, when you look at the value, everybody talks about the fact that value is outperforming. But in fact, we're in the middle of a reopening um, and people are actually looking for growth at a reasonable price. I think this will be more of a Garpy recovery than just pure value. But stock picking right now is the way to go. In fact, institutional investor just came out with a survey saying that hedge funds, um, which are just, you know, the redheaded stepchild of the markets for the last decade, um, are starting to garner quite a bit of, uh, of interest by institutional investors because this is going to be a stock picker's paradise. Yeah, and where do you think that we should be picking stocks? Is it small caps? Is it oil stocks? Is it, uh, you know, sort of boring cyclicals that we haven't talked about for, you know, like a decade I think there's going to be something to some of those boring cyclicals, especially if they are valued uh, well. Energy stocks are just one where <laughs> the dividend yield is so high because they've just been so out of favor. Um, and, you know, we could see oil prices going all the way into the 80s, potentially, even though fair value is probably 63 $65. Um, you're still looking at, you know, quite a bit of pent-up demand. Um, and OPEC cutting supply at the same time. So I, I think that there's a lot of, uh, of room for some of these. Some of the areas that you think are overvalued, like some segments of tech, may actually still have good growth uh, in 2021. So you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater either. And that's why I'm saying that it's individual stock names, uh, not you know, just sector, ETF, broad market picking. Gina Sanchez, Chantigo Global. Gina, look forward to seeing you again in person, hopefully soon. Have a great day and a great weekend. Take care. You too, Brian. All right. Thank you, Gina. All right. We are just getting started on a busy Friday. When we come back, is another big vaccine on the way? Stunning numbers out of Novavax and where we truly stand on getting a jab into everyone who wants one. A year ago, the grocery store became one of the most important places in all of our lives and one let's be honest around here that was a little bit scary at first but a lot of things have changed and up next the ceo Stu leonard lays out how much has really changed and how far we have come and netflix and no chill especially if you're sharing your password with somebody else because netflix is cracking down we'll tell you how coming up What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back and good Friday. Let's get to some of your headlines surrounding the path forward in the pandemic. Movie theaters in the film capital of the world are set to reopen roughly one year after going dark. Los Angeles health officials announcing the theaters will be allowed to reopen, albeit at 25% capacity, sometime between Monday and Wednesday of next week. Johnson & Johnson's chief scientist says the company expects to produce up to 3 billion doses of its COVID vaccine next year. The company, which had its one-shot treatment approved in the EU yesterday, said it is bringing on three manufacturing plants to produce the drug and the key substances to make it. And that big vaccine news we referenced before the break, the new Novavax vaccine candidate showing extremely positive results in its phase three trial, including, and listen to this, because there's a lot of scary headlines around it, nearly 100% effectiveness in preventing severe illness, even with the new strains of the virus. Hear that? 100% effective in preventing severe illness in at least one of the variants. Nobody said we're not going to get a cold, but isn't preventing severe illness and most importantly, death, the thing that matters the most? Yes, it does. And by the way, we've said it before, but we all cannot say it enough. A huge thank you to all the scientists, first responders, and distributors out there who made all this happen faster than anybody expected. All right, speaking of the vaccines, it is time now for your daily vaccine tracker, where we actually stand right now. A lot of conflicting headlines out there, so we're just going to show you the numbers from the CDC, the facts, and the pace continues strong. 25% of American adults have now had at least one dose, and you say, well, that's not fully vaccinated. Remember, even one dose after a couple of weeks is seen effective after a period of time, upwards of maybe 70 or 80 percent. 64 million folks have gotten at least one shot, and we are now averaging well over 2 million shots per day, as most states have finally figured it out. Of course, some still have a ways to go. We're looking at you, California. Four states, New Mexico, Connecticut, Alaska, and South Dakota, now have more than 25 percent of their adults given a dose. And whether it is vaccines, natural immunity, or both, whatever it might be, cases are crashing everywhere. Case in point, Connecticut. Their cases are down 90, 90% from two months ago. And hospitalizations, which of course matter more than cases, are down 70, 70%. Let us hope that continues. All right, still on deck. While millions of kids are in school, in person, five days a week, some haven't missed a day of school in class since September. Millions more are still stuck at home. Coming up, getting kids back to school, the hurdles that remain, students, teachers, parents have tried to rework the learning experience, dealt with all kinds of challenges, including childhood depression. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. 
but there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome back. It is time for your morning's three big stock-moving stories. Here you go. Stock one, Ulta Beauty. Shares the retailer down 7.5%. CEO Mary Dillon is going to be stepping down in June. President Dave Kimball will be taking her place. company also reporting quarterly results that beat the street, but net sales down 4.5% from a year ago. Stock two, Poshmark, deep in the red as well. The e-commerce company revealing a weaker than expected sales guidance for the current quarter. Revenue did top analyst estimates in its first financial report since going public, but investors hated the guidance. Poshmark, looking not so posh, down 12.5%. And third, Funko. I just want to say that. Funko. The toy maker, seeing its stock spike on sales and quarterly results boosted by sales of merchandise from the Mandalorian Disney TV show, as well as products from its Loungefly brand. Funko, also forecasting revenue to grow between 25 to 30% this year. Funko is up 12.5%. You go, Funko. All right, still ahead. Are you going back to the office? You might be. Goldman Sachs becoming the latest major company to put a timeline on the return to the office. We'll tell you when it expects employees to get back in the building. And a reminder, if you have not already, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to our podcast. It is on the Apple, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. It is ingeniously named Worldwide Exchange. It's got four and a half out of five stars. Go figure. Subscribe today. And let's not forget that this month is Women's History Month. And so we are spotlighting some of our CNBC contributors and friends. Here is our friend, Halima Croft, of the women that inspired her. For me growing up, I was really inspired by these fearless female leaders who were the first women to lead their countries. You know, whether it be an Indira Gandhi in India, a Benazir Bhutto in Pakistan, a Golda Meir in Israel. These were the women who led their countries in challenging times. They were not perfect leaders by any means, but they really were fearless. They had spines of steel and they were incredible inspirations for me growing up. Watch out below. NASDAQ futures down more than 200 bond yields spiking as big tech could be a big wreck yet again today. COVID, one year later. Remember when you couldn't find toilet paper or hand sanitizer? Scary times. But things have changed. The CEO of Stu Leonard is here on what we have learned over the past 12 months. And follow the money. It is time for your Worldwide Exchange exclusive look at what company insiders are making the biggest bets their own companies with their own money. And this week brings the biggest insider buying that we have ever seen. It is Friday, March 12th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, welcome back or welcome. Good Friday morning. I'm Brian Sullivan. It's just about 530 here on the East Coast. And here's how your money and investments look right now as we are halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. And it is not looking good for big technology. I mean, what a wild, volatile week it's been. We showed you the wall graphic yesterday, up 200 one day, down 300 the next, 
up 300. Well, it's looking like another big down day. NASDAQ futures off 250. The Dow, forget about it, okay? We're not focusing on the Dow. We're focusing on technology. All the names that you bought or may have bought or probably owned in an ETF or a mutual fund or the ARK or whatever it is that have made you money in the past year. They are down big time this morning. NASDAQ futures off 250. One of the reasons, Treasury yields spiking again after stabilizing for a couple of days. Bond yields up more than 10 basis points. Again, doesn't sound like much, but for bonds it is. Inflation fears, they're very real. Remember, what inflation does is it reduces the purchasing power of your current dollar. In layman's terms, it makes things more expensive. So if you make X, you got to spend more to get the same amount of product. And pretty much every commodity is higher so far this year. Tenure yields up again today. So who are some of these names that are losing the most ground in the pre-market right now for big tech? Well, it's the names you might expect. All the names that printed money for you last year because COVID would never leave and will never leave our home again. Obviously not true. Peloton, Baidu, Tesla, Pinduoduo, DocuSign, they're all down 3 and 4% right now. Well, we're going to get more in the macro markets in just a bit. But right now, it is time for another WEX exclusive. Your weekly top five companies showing the big time insider buying this week. These are people, these aren't stock buybacks. These are corporate insiders buying their own stock with their own money. And the data from our friends at insiderscore.com, as always, thank you. We're counting you down five to one. And this one has got some big time dollar amounts and one really big name. All right, you ready? I am. Let's go. Stock number five, Dominion Energy, CEO buying $999,999 worth of that power company. Stock four, ADT, CEO snapping up just over a million bucks in stock. By the way, Insider Score notes a very rare insider buy here, so watch ADT. And now to some big time buys. By the way, PS was his 90th birthday. Yep, Rupert Murdoch buying $12 million worth of News Corp stock. Now, that stock's been rallying nearly every day. He's buying into strength, not weakness. News Corp up 37% this year. Murdoch buying $12 million worth this week. And that's only the third biggest buy. Stock two, a $13.5 million buy by a board member of Wayfair. Now, this board member already owns a ton of shares, so really just adding to an already big position. Kind of a bullish move. And that's not even the most. The most insider buying this week is a $15.3 million buy at pipeline firm Enterprise Products Partners, EPD. Board member Randa Williams buying nearly 678,000 shares. And get this, and this sounds good. Williams receives $300 million per quarter as a dividend into the family trust. So this is the reinvestment of their dividend money. Wow. There is your, must be nice. There's your top five insider buys this week. Some big names, big dollar amounts. Dominion, ADT, News Corp, Murdoch and News Corp, Wayfair, and Enterprise Products. Some of the biggest numbers and biggest names that we have seen. And why should you pay attention to all this? Well, you don't have to. But an equal weighted basket of all the names that we have been bringing to you on this segment since what, the middle of last year, is up 21% year-to-date, outperforming the broader market. All right, now to some of this morning's other big corporate news that's out there on a busy Friday. Bertha Coombs back with us and joining us now with the headlines. Bertha, what are some of the headlines? 
Well, good morning, Brian. Southeast Asian ride-hailing startup Grab is reportedly in talks to go public through a SPAC deal because isn't everyone? The Wall Street Journal says a tie-up could value the company at as much as $40 billion. That would make it the largest SPAC deal on record. Grab is reportedly talking with Altimeter Capital Management, which has two SPACs. The journal says it's unclear which is uh, in discussions with the startup. Goldman Sachs, meantime, talking to employees about a return to the office. In a global town hall meeting yesterday, CEO David Solomon told the bank's workers he hopes to have them back in buildings by the summer. And Netflix wants you to stop sharing your password. So the streaming giant is testing a new setup that pops up a message on screen reading, if you don't live with the owner of this account, you need your own account to keep watching. Reports have suggested about a third of all users share their passwords with others. Brian, it's not exactly clear how they'll shut you down, but it may have something to do with a prompt on a phone. So... It's going to be a little tougher. Netflix until now hasn't really cracked down very hard. Does that mean I got to stop using B. Coombs CNBC as my login? <laughs> Can you imagine how many daisy chains of borrowing there are? <laughs> right? You might be using uh, mine. Uh, yeah, I might I, be using someone else. <laughs> who might be using someone else's. <laughs> And yet they have two million, the word, but I know some people that do this so. for the NFL direct ticket, you know, direct TV on NFL. I, I, I may or may not know some people really? that do that as well. Mum's the word. Bertha, thank you. <laughs> All right. Back to the markets. President Biden has now signed, sealed and delivered the one point nine trillion dollar spending bill called the American Rescue Plan. And soon. $1,400 checks will be delivered to millions of people, some of you getting them as soon as this weekend. That, combined with an improving labor market and rising personal incomes and record household net worth, is driving a big-time increase in consumer spending. And where are people spending all their cash? Well, check out the Invesco Dynamic Leisure and Entertainment ETF, ticker PEJ. It is up 31% this year in anticipation that very soon we're all going to Goat, get out and travel. And your next guest has some names that could benefit greatly from the latest round of stimulus and an improving economy. David Katz is managing director of North America Casinos and Leisure at Jefferies. David, um, you could make me look really good or really bad right now, and I want you to do whatever you think is right. Because one of my predictions I wrote in December was that based on the current trend back then, Las Vegas would be totally sold out by Labor Day. And I, I did a mea culpa a couple days ago. I said, based on what I'm seeing now, I think Vegas could largely be sold out by Memorial Day. Right or wrong? Well, look, I think you're, I, and I, I've come on to make you look good and, and your Netflix secret with Bertha is safe with us also. Um, look, I think a lot <laughs> of the answer to that question, Brian, is going to be really around the rollout of vaccines, which appears to be accelerated. Right. But what, what I can tell you is uh, that the, the you know, the stimulus support is going to be very helpful in, you know, the framework we're looking using to look at stocks, which is leisure, drive to, uh, you know, outdoors uh, and, you know, those pure discretionary endeavors uh, that, that does include casinos uh, and the leisure trips uh, that people will make. Uh, 
Uh, and that's why we have favored Caesars. They tend to be much more of a consumer-oriented casino company because, recall, Las Vegas does benefit from groups. That has a business element to it. Uh, and whether Jeffries or CNBC is going to be willing to allow us or send us on a trip uh, by Memorial Day, I think is a harder question to answer. But I think you and I would agree if the decision were ours, we'd get in the car uh, and go. Uh, we've also looked at... You know, well, I don't know about a car. Outdoor. I don't know, David, if a car would work for me. I mean, a car would work. It would just take me about four days to get there. I'm going to text your buddy, Rich Handler, and just say, you know, we're, we're the CEO of Jeffries and we're all going to... We're all going to get out there at some point soon. But you bring up a good you, you do bring up an excellent point that there's difference between consumer spending and corporate spending. The cor- corporate side is going to take longer because companies by nature are nervous. Right. They're just that's the way it is in corporate America. They got lawyers and everything else. The consumer may be a little bit different. Why do you think Caesars, one of your picks, will be a winner? They tend to be more of a consumer oriented casino company. Right. They have a large regional network around the United States. Uh, they do have you know, a Vegas presence. Uh, it's maybe a third of the business. Uh, and as well, they are about to close on their acquisition of William Hill, which brings them a sports betting and iGaming opportunity. Digital gaming is the most exciting growth avenue in gaming in the past 20 years. So we have tried to choose stocks that have multiple things going on, multiple ways to win, not just you know, stimulus, recovery, play, and hey, it's cheap. And speaking of consumer travel on a different side, okay, think about the, think of the children, David. I know my kids, they like to go to Six Flags. Nice day trip. I know Six Flags is open in kind of a weird way right now. It's another name that you like. It's outdoors. We move quickly. So the wind is blowing by us as well. Do you think that's going to be a winner? We, we, we have. And we were on to Six Flags before COVID started. Uh, the management team changed. Uh, the company had uh, a retooling process. Uh, their whole pricing strategy was going to change. The whole in-park experience was uh, under review uh, with a solid new management team. And then COVID hit. So again, you have the opportunity of recovery from COVID, but you also have some of the other initiatives that were underway before COVID started. And I think that's what compels us, in addition to the fact that it is outdoor, leisure, kids, drive-to. It has all the elements for us. Uh, And, you know, we expect it to be a multi-year progression of earnings moving up, but certainly a recovery and a stimulus play also. David Katz of Jeffries. David, I do look forward to seeing you back. I don't know if we can get Handler out there, but I do look forward to seeing you back in, in, in Vegas at some point soon, perhaps. We'll see if that uh, Memorial Day semi I'm going to just do- dodge. And if I'm wrong, I'm just going to deny ever saying it. David Katz and Jeffries, thank you. Have a great day, David. Good to see you as well. Pleasure. You too. All right. You, me, and Hunter S. Thompson driving to Vegas. All right. Coming up, much more serious story. It's a tale of two worlds. Millions of kids across America have never missed a day of in-person class this year. Hard to believe, but true. While in millions of others, many in underprivileged areas still haven't gone back to school, at least even for a day. They may have no timetable to do so. So coming up, Lon Moy breaks down where we stand and what's at stake. All right, welcome back. This is one of the saddest stories among the many sad stories of the pandemic and lockdowns. Millions of kids, many of the children of working class people who cannot work remotely, 
still stuck at home, trying to learn virtually. Many have simply vanished off screens. And educators across the country are grappling with how to get the students back in the classroom in a push to get back to the business of learning. The potential return is a high-stakes move for both kids and parents after a year of adapting. Alon Moy joining us now with more. Alon, I know you've lived it. You, you, your school district uh, just going back a, a couple of weeks ago with, with your kids as well. It's hard to believe, but millions of I know people whose kids have never missed one day of in-person, in-class school in Florida, Texas, Michigan. Not one. It's such a bizarre dichotomy. Yeah, there's such a disparity here, Brian. A year into the pandemic, only six states are mandating that public schools reopen for in-person learning. Instead, a lot of these decisions are being driven by local school districts. The result? A wide variation in when and how kids return to the classroom and parents scrambling to figure out solutions that do not involve Zoom. They were doing it, but by the end of the day, they were spent. The, my, my, my son's phrase is he felt like his mind had melted and it was only, you know, 1.30 in the afternoon. John Franklin turned to Schoolhouse, a startup that actually launched in January 2020, just before COVID hit. The company's original idea was micro schools, a few teachers and kids in a storefront and a shopping center, for example. But they quickly pivoted to pandemic pods, connecting parents to teachers for in-home schooling. So far, they've signed up 100 students and dozens of teachers. They operate in eight states and are hoping to raise additional venture capital to keep expanding even after the pandemic. We really see Schoolhouse as the best academic option available for our parents. And so we already have pods that have renewed for fall 2021. So although we started and I think got a lot of momentum from the COVID pandemic, we really are built for the long term. According to polling by EdChoice, the percentage of parents interested in or participating in pandemic pods peaked in October at 55 percent. Since then, it's held pretty steady at about a third of parents. The survey also found that nearly one in five kids have switched where they go to school since the pandemic started. So, Brian, it could be hard for parents to disrupt their education again and switch them back once life returns to normal. Back to you. Yeah, but that's my point, Alana. It's... It's so hard for people to understand, and I'm not trying to make a point either way. I've been to 15 states in a year, okay, during the pandemic. There are many kids who've never missed a day, places where there's backyard barbecues going on now. The difference between D.C. to New York, Chicago, and California, and I'm a kid of the L.A. public school system. I was born in Gardena, lived in Torrance, and then Long Beach. It it is, the difference is stunning. I mean, what your report is amazing, Alon. Because what you're getting are parents who are actually setting up new schools, right? I mean, that, that, that learning pod, whatever you want to call it, that's basically a mini school. Yeah, the parents have had to be really proactive in this situation. And, you know, to something that you were mentioning earlier as well, Brian, the fact is that so many kids just simply disappeared from the grid entirely. So, you know, we're talking about kids who were able to find their own solution. But there are a lot of kids, too, who simply stopped showing up. And that disconnection to the school system, that disconnect with learning, I think that is something that's really going to stick with us for a long time. And the economic impact of that is going to last for a generation. You know, and, I, and, I, and I'm getting a little emotional because I'm exhausted. What You talk about inequity, inequality. 
wealth inequality, the education inequality gap that's going to be created by this. I'm not advocating one thing or the other. It's not my job. But I know the CDC, the Mayo Clinic, and others have said, the New York Times, by the way, Alon, and I know I'm eating time producers. I'm sorry, okay? This matters. The New York Times, Alon, two weeks ago, I don't know if you saw it, I posted it, said, you know, they, they did this big study with an engineering firm. You know how you open up a school safely? You open a window and put a $30 box fan in. That's little, I'm not joking. It's a New York Times story. It's not mine. You can find it. Just keep the air circulating and you're probably going to keep the kids, the teachers, and the parents safe. This is a big deal for millions of kids who, I I don't know about you, Alon, I would have stunk over Zoom. I'm all crazy anyway. It would not have been easy. It's, uh, It's an emotional topic for a lot of folks out there, Alon. Thank you very much. Alon's like, what just happened? All right, sorry, Alon. Well, it is not just schools. One year ago, grocery stores across the U.S. found themselves thrust into the COVID outbreak as millions of us raced to gather up supplies to ride out those initial lockdowns. Folks, if you're not in the Northeast, I can't tell you again what it was like. It was like people in full diving outfits, diving bells with gas masks going into grocery stores. And the store owners were forced to dramatically overhaul their businesses. And now the way that we get that gallon of milk and a carton of eggs is pretty much kind of gone back to normal, albeit with a mask on. For more, we're joined by Stu Leonard, Jr., CEO and president of the supermarket chain, Stu Leonard's. Uh, Stu, sorry to get worked up in that that last hey, segment like there. That. You know, we, we have kids. And, hey, bro- and, and, and well, yeah. no, so we, we, I, I know we want everyone you're to be safe. And you're in the same boat. The yeah, well, I know. You know. I'm sorry to do it. It's a little early. Listen, it's just like your business, Stu. Right. We need yeah. food. And I remember those yeah. early days when I'm not going to I'm a, I'm not a brave dude. I was scared to go to the store. It's what we thought if you looked at somebody with COVID, you would, you know, turn to stone immediately. How have things changed for you in the last 12 months? Well, you know, Brian, uh, uh, first of all, I'm glad you're all worked up this morning like that. We've got a lot of energy in you. Um, and, but you know what's happened this past year is yesterday was, a, we always compare our sales to the same day last year. Last year was the first day we were down in sales over the last year. And that's because the pandemic just hit last year. People were grabbing stuff off the shelf. Here's one big thing. People wanted more restaurant quality. How do you like that thing right there? That's a beautiful tomahawk steak. Our ranchers were great getting us food. Um, One thing that's changed is people are going more grab and go, Uh, just like the cruise ships or casinos that had the big buffets. We've had to close all all ours down. We had pistachio nuts that were loose and you could scoop them yourself. We had to take that out and do all bagged pistachios this year. And our bagels that you could pick, you can't pick them anymore. So we've had a convert over on the food side is how it's presented. Stu, how much of the changes that we have seen, the ones that you're highlighting as well, how much of those are here to stay? Or do you envision a day when... It will be like 2019, and we kind of won't even think about it. We'll be scooping the pistachios with our bare hands. You know, Brian, that's the biggest question we talk about here at Stu Leonard's all the time. What's the stickiness of all this afterward? People wanted curbside and delivery. That's, that's through the roof right now here at Stu Leonard's. How much of that will stick after the pandemic? I don't feel right now, even though the state of Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York, where our stores are, The governors are loosening up the restrictions and capacity requirements. I still feel people are a little nervous about picking up a ladle and scooping food out of a buffet uh, table. Even if you go to a wedding, I think it's the same thing. 
You know, one of my favorite afternoon hobbies when I lived in Connecticut with Stu was to go to your one of your stores. I think it was in Norwalk. And you guys do a great job. And also, by the way, a huge shout out to you and all the folks that work behind the scenes, especially during those dark days to get us food. We're terrified to walk in and they're working there all day and all night. So a huge, huge thank you to them, Stu, and to you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. We're back. You're welcome, Stu. Thank you. And we are back right after this. NASDAQ Futures down to All right. Welcome back. Well, Dow Futures, they're up, but that's not telling the story that matters. Tech stocks, they could take another big tumble as well. NASDAQ Futures off 230. Let's bring in one of our favorite people, Hightower Chief Investment Strategist and, of course, CNBC contributor Stephanie Link. Stephanie, uh, NASDAQ could be a a dog again. What, What do you make of this incredible volatility we have seen in tech stocks? It's crazy, right? Good morning. Um, it's rates. Rates are front and center. They have been for the last several weeks. This week we had stabilization until this morning, um, but we had stabilization in the 10-year, a lot because of David Tepper comments, a lot because the ECB was very dovish, at least short term. Medium term, though, Brian, rates are moving higher, and that's because of all this stimulus, the liquidity, vaccines, great, great progress overnight with Novavax and J&J. The reopen is happening. I just am looking at some of the data points from Vail Resorts, who reported, and visitations in January were down 17% in January, March down 8%. So you're seeing progress on the whole reopening. You're seeing reservations actually on the rise. You're seeing air travel, TSA checks, all better. So the the stimulus is working. It's just going to lead to not only better growth, but probably more inflation. And if that's the case, rates are going higher in the medium term and value will continue to work over growth. And that means that some tech stocks and some high flyers will certainly struggle here in the short term. But that doesn't mean you don't like, you know, all tech stocks are not created equal. I know because, you know, I happen to watch you on Halftime Report and and shows like that, Stephanie. Google, right? Everyone just dumps fang in the QQQs. You you still love Google. and I think you've added to more Google or Alphabet, whatever it's called. Yeah, I'm underweight fang in general, and I'm underweight tech, mainly software uh, in, in, in general. But I do like Alphabet because I do think that there's operating leverage in that story. And it is, in a way, a reopened name on travel search, right? And digital advertising has certainly rebounded. So that one I really like. But I am underweight for the most part, the other fang names. I do like semis. I do like semi-cap equipment. Uh, I do like uh, Broadcom mm-hmm. and, and, and NXPI and LAM Research. I like cybersecurity, too. So there are pockets in tech you can like, but today they're all going to be down. So you just have to be very particular and you have to pick on the down days. You think the macro tech trade is, is over? Stock pickers market, Stephanie? I hope so. (laughs) I really do as an active manager. Um, But I I do think that you have to be selective. And I think you do definitely want to have maybe not the value names per se, but the economically sensitive names, the the, the financials and materials and industrials and energy. Those sectors, I am overweight. So I think you still want to be barbell it, right? But be selective in tech and own these other sectors and be overweight those. Stephanie Link, we appreciate you coming on Worldwide Exchange. As always, Stephanie, best to you and yours. Good Friday, good weekend. We'll see you soon, Stephanie. Thank you very much. Take care. And that does it for us here on a very busy week. Worldwide Exchange, folks, is over. Squawk is picking up the coverage. NASDAQ futures down more than 200. Could be another big day, not in a good way, for big tech. Hope you have a blessed and wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care. 
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.